Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 65. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bill Springer. In this week's episode, we are joined by two guests from the Forest Culture Club Committee. Firstly, we'll discuss the idea of having a designated culture officer to enhance your salon's brand identity. And secondly, we'll delve into the psychology of why do we defend our territory caveman style in the workplace and how to manage it effectively. As always, we top off the show with our upcoming Forest Academy webinars. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. How are you? I am good now. First day back in the office after, now I know you're living in Canada, but England and Ireland have got destroyed with the east from the <laughs> East, the beast from the, the beast east. From the east. <laughs> I can't even say it right. And Storm Emma. Um, yeah, I mean, like, how are you guys doing? Just, just finally recovering. Like, just about shops and everything have been closed for the last four days. We finished up in the office here on on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. In some places, it was up to eight foot snow. Couldn't even see the cars. So I'd say it affected a lot of businesses, a lot of salon owners and stuff like that as well. Yeah. So I saw quite a few salons uh, close and advertise the fact that they were closing on Instagram and telling clients they'd be in contact because it was just impossible to get in. Yeah, it has been tough. Not just salon owners, but kind of especially a lot of small businesses. But um, it's... Pretty much, it rained yesterday, and it's all kind of melting away already. So. Oh yeah, that, that's that's how it goes. That's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, what are we covering today, then, Zoe? So, previously on the show, we had discussed the importance of employee wellness in a workplace, and you know the pros to introducing a form of social team. This time around, we kind of want to bring up the benefits of having a culture officer in your workplace, and why businesses and salons uh, can start introducing this role to enhance brand identity, and how you can actually delegate this responsibility to someone else. On top of this, we're going to go into the psychology, like you said, of defending your territory caveman style in the workplace and how to manage it. So today we are joined by two Forest guests. We have a Forest FM regular guest, Eva Kelly Cooney, our culture officer here at Forest, and Ellen Hayes, our industry consultant. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Great to be here. It feels it feels like an honor uh, following your nomination for best podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, like we just said there, Aoife, I, I was kind of looking through the episodes yesterday, actually. You're quite a big regular on the show, believe it or not. But um, it doesn't feel like it. But <laughs> yeah, again, honored. <laughs> yeah, I was just going through the credits of each episode. You, you've done a, quite a few fair play. Yeah. Uh, but this is Elaine's very first one. And Elaine also works with Forrest as an industry consultant. So Elaine is from the salon background, but she also uses tests our software as well. Welcome for the first time, Elaine. Thank you. Um, yes, I was also terrified after hearing about your award. <laughs> I was like, oh, a lot of people listen to this. Um, but I, ha- I have been um, taking some steps this morning to um, practice what I preach and go over some of my uh, relaxation techniques. Uh, <laughs> not done too bad, actually. <laughs> Fair play. A lot of chamomile tea beforehand, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of herbal tea going on. So, so guys, if I suppose if to kick it all off, Aoife, what exactly is a culture officer and why is it something that salons can introduce into their business? Yeah, so you say what exactly is a culture officer and I was looking at this question earlier. I really, I think it's very difficult to define exactly what a culture officer is um, and that's because the nature of culture is difficult to define. It's different everywhere. What it really is, is the personality of either a company, any business, including salons as well. So you know yourself, it's the general vibe you get when you go into any business. Um, 
So in forests, we do have a very defined culture. It's not always defined everywhere you go, but it exists everywhere you go. So my role um, kind of primarily is to do an employee engagement. I work very, very closely with any new hires we have in the team to make sure that their first two weeks are spent kind of in their induction, getting very much integrated into the team and into the culture. Um, even still to this day, Ronan sits down, Ronan, our CEO, sits down with all new hires to bring them through kind of the foundations of the company and the culture from his perspective. So really, it's very important in this day and age because people want their values, their personal values to align with the job they do. They want their work to have meaning. Um, so yeah, that's that's really it in brief, I suppose. So why and how can a salon benefit from introducing these kind of roles and responsibilities? Yeah, so all like employee um employee culture and employee engagement, it's all linked really to engagement at the end of the day. So there's different factors that influence engagement. That would be things like learning and development, leadership, teamwork, work-life balance. And once those kind of needs are met within a team, it improves like employee well-being and employee morale massively and that has a knock-on effect so obviously the happier your team are the better their work is going to be so the better just kind of their teamwork so their interaction with each other but then obviously their interaction with the client so if you've got a happy team you're gonna have a happier client so that should as well have a knock-on effect in terms of your finances it'll increase your finances um obviously because if people are happy coming to a happy salon they're going to be more inclined to return um, and develop good relationships with your team um it's also great for recruitment so people are going to want to work with you if they see that you've got a great culture and yeah it's kind of the the benefits of having a strong culture are endless really and do you have to do this yourself as the salon owner or can you delegate this? It can absolutely be delegated. Um, I would say, like personally from my experience in Forest, I work very, very closely with our CEO, Ronan. Um, so previously he would have done a lot of this work himself, kind of like working with the exec team, management team. But he would delegate a lot of this work to me, but I would make sure that pretty much everything I do is approved by him. That doesn't necessarily have to be the case um, if you work in a salon and you have somebody who you know knows your culture inside out and you trust with that. Mm -hmm. You can let them run free. It can also, of course, be the salon owner or the salon manager. Or if you've got a bigger team or even a small team with people who actually want to get involved and are interested in this side of things, you can have a small team as well. So the options are kind of it's quite open. Yeah, because like we did start off with kind of like, and we've mentioned it in previous episodes before, like a social team. Yeah. But as our company started growing, we realized we needed this as a full-time position, which yeah. is kind of where you came on board with that. Mm-hmm. Um, like we know not all salons are going to have 120 staff, mm-hmm. but by understanding what a culture officer does, you can delegate it amongst your staff members. Yeah, You can make, like even if they just did it for a month, but yeah, like it's so effective with the recruitment process and it's rather than forcing your employees to gel together, you're hiring people who will gel together. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you you employ people kind of for their culture fit, which is really, really important because obviously it means that they're going to work very well within the team. And as we know, the team is of utmost importance, like people aren't working on their own here. So and I'd imagine it's exactly the same in salons. It's very important that everybody works together well. So have you gotten any like examples that you could provide provide so like what we would do here in Forest that could kind of translate over to a salon? Yeah, we like I mean pretty much everything is transferable I suppose. 
like an easy start would be to sit down with your team or even yourself if you have any ideas as to what your culture might mean. I would say don't be vague about it. It needs to be like quite defined if you're going to be serious. Um, like we have we have three strong values here. Let's grow, can do attitude and service Gehintok, which is the Irish for excellence and service. So like Ronan would have sat down years ago and decided that they were the most important values for Forest. So I would say you could do something similar within the salon as a starting point. And even like you could do different initiatives around that. So you could choose a month, say, for example, if one of your values was... The service. I mean, service has to be... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So again, you could pull that one, like excellent service and say to your team, right, this month, what are we going to do? Like we're going to choose maybe three small projects that we can work together to really drive this value. Um, and it just gets people on board with it. I'd say like if the salon owner or manager can come up with these values themselves, but it might be a good idea to get everybody together and to really see like what the values are as a team, because that will really get people behind it rather than telling people like this is what we are. Yeah, It's great to kind of have an ask first culture. So to ask people, what do you feel your values are within the salon? I think it's a great idea. Not only is like, how do, can we make our team kind of I suppose, more unified professionally, but also personally as well, because mm. you actually do, I know you're working with these guys every day, but when you're in a work environment, you don't really get to know kind of each other's backgrounds, especially as your salon grows and you start hiring more people. And that's where kind of like you do the culture club as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's all about like, how do we bring all of our staff together, including remote guys? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's our priority at the moment in Forest because we're growing the team quite rapidly and our international growth is kind of the main the main thing at the moment. So our remote team is is really growing. And that was kind of Ronan's priority this year. He wanted the Culture Club to focus on remote engagement, which is, as you can imagine, quite a challenge because these are people that you don't see on a daily basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for such a focus on remote, we wouldn't even have Elaine on the show today because yeah. Elaine, <laughs> Elaine is remote. You're based over in the UK, Elaine, aren't you? I am, yes. And sometimes it is difficult being remote. Um, but and, and also just, you know, not working full time for Forest either. Um, but I, I just want to say that, that like, I think I've been with Forest for like uh, two and a half years now. Um, and, and I've always had a really good uh, feeling, um, you know, Aoife was actually the first lady I spoke to after about eight months of working with Forrest. I was like, oh, well, there's a woman in there. <laughs> and Because uh, uh, I mostly work with the dev team and um, and she made me feel really, really welcome. Um, and, and it's just, I think that Forrest does have such a great atmosphere, looking at it from a sort of outside point of view uh, and being remote as well. Um, you do, you do, you guys do make a big effort, particularly, you know, when it comes to Christmas and Valentine's Day and things, you really help to sort of bring everyone together and, uh, and it's a really good vibe, I think. Thanks, Elaine. <laughs> yeah, that does come yeah. down to the, the culture officer and the culture club and mm-hmm. kind of unifying and gelling. Yeah. We're actually in a culture club meeting one day and was it, it was Valentine's, wasn't it? We're trying to come up with, yes, trying yeah. to come up with something mm-hmm. new. And Elaine, who I don't think I've ever met Elaine or spoke to Elaine, was involved in the group and just kind of slacked in, which is like a, a WhatsApp version for companies saying that she had done, you're going to have to explain this, but you made <laughs> a thousand cranes, was it Elaine? <laughs> 
I did. I made a thousand. I folded a thousand um, origami creams. Um, it was just kind of one of those things that was on my bucket list, um, and it was it was really cheap to do, and it was something easy. I could I thought it was easy. I'm like, it sounds really simple that, but actually it was bigger than I thought. <laughs> Uh, and now I've realised I, I don't know a thousand people. So. <laughs> um, but yes, it was it was a good project. Uh, I learned a lot of lessons from doing that, and it was lovely to have um, to be able to kick it off on Valentine's Day. So I was able to send everyone one. Yeah, so like that, you made it was 120 staff members. You made a personalised origami crane for all 120 staff members with a little note and. Um, of kind of you know, why you were doing a thousand cranes but that's where I was kind of like well why are you doing this and was trying to find out a bit more about you then and you're actually so you're our user tester for software on a consultancy basis you come from the salon industry but at the moment you're also studying counseling and you're into your origami and things like those and kind of re- relaxation and meditation and we kind of got chatting. Uh, it was myself, you and Aoife at the time got chatting and you were talking about like defending territory in the workplace. And the, the way you described it. <laughs> yeah, it was just something I was working on. <laughs> so the way you described it, we're like, we have to first off, get you to write a blog about this. And second off, get you on the show to talk about it as well, because you have that mix from the kind of the tech side of Forest, working in a salon for the last five, six years, was it? What, what What is your actual, if you want to share it with our audience, your background? Um, well, I worked as a software tester for 12 years in an office. Uh, and then uh, it was more personal circumstances. I decided to have a bit of a career change. Um, I wanted to... Uh, even though I love testing, um, one of the things that I, I didn't love was the fact that I didn't really connect with, you know, the end user as such. Um, so I wanted a job where I was connecting more with people. Um, and obviously, from other things as well, I've become, I've gone down a sort of more holistic route. Uh, I started off with massage and now I've added Reiki meditation Um so I was kind of becoming a bit, a bit more spiritual, I guess. Um, but then the geek side of me said, oh, I, I don't, um, I think I need a bit of science here. So uh, that's when I decided to start looking at, at counselling courses um, so that I could blend the two together. And, um, and I found one that I really liked called the Human Givens Approach. Um, so, and it's based on, um, the foundation of it is based on our human needs. Everybody has these human needs. And um, and I think they're important as well just for, um, uh, you know, uh, going back to the culture thing as well. One of the human needs that we have is to feel connected to each other and also um, to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves. So in this case would be our workplace um so uh, that's another reason why it's really important to have these sort of culture things in the workplace it not only brings people together but it actually serves their needs as a human being so what is like kind of the way you were describing it to us we we couldn't stop laughing because it was between you and our head of product paddy and you were kind of saying it like you've got like the emotional brain and the thinking brain, but you've also got like feminine and masculine. And there was just kind of, there was a couple of factors. So like, 
What, what exactly is it when you're saying defending our territory? So basically, if we um, so if we look at territory as um, our needs, uh, so your territory is like think about it like it's your job role. Um, so like your I don't know the sales department or for me would be the test department. That's my territory, um, and within my job role, uh, I have certain needs like. I for testing I have the need to make sure that the uh the salon software is of a good quality high quality uh that's my main need in my job role so obviously uh when I go to Paddy who's in charge of the product uh and his main need obviously is uh more along the lines of uh, getting the product out on time and in budget. I know he has a lot more responsibility than that, but let's just keep it simple. Um, so obviously, whereas I'd, I care about quality, I don't care what the budget is and I don't really care like if we go over time a little bit, that's 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 okay for me. <laughs> but obviously that's not okay for him. Uh, so it's about um, how we meet in the middle um, and come to a reasonable compromise because if we didn't do that then uh, I'm sure as you can imagine like nothing would ever happen you know um, Paddy on one side would be trying to put something out that's uh, as cheap as possible <laughs> and as quickly as possible but obviously over time that could uh, mean that the software quality uh, degrades because there's no one to to stop him uh, and the same for me as well you know like as a tester we would never get anything done either because we'd be constantly going well you can't put it out because you know it's not good enough quality so we would never produce anything either so it's sort of um an example of how we need to um recognize that we all have our needs and that we all um, have a function within the company and everybody's um, job matters you know it doesn't matter who you are in the company if your role didn't exist the the company that part of the company um, would collapse and um, eventually you know it could be detrimental to the company as a whole even if you feel like your job role isn't that important it really is um, because you're part of something bigger um, so it's about everybody realising that we all have our own needs um, and we all, uh, we're all just as important as each other. But it's also about um, knowing that we have to work together. It's a sort of symbiosis of um, a lot of things coming together. Um, so we need to make sure that all of our needs are satisfied. So I think when we go into conflict, we need to, uh, first of all, uh, we need to calm ourselves down because, uh, as you said, Killian, we have two brains. Uh, we have the emotional brain, uh, which is in charge of our safety. Um, but this is a very primitive thing. It's been there since caveman style days um, when we used to be hunter gatherers. Um, and this is for our absolute safety. So because it's so important, it has the capacity to take over the whole brain and shut down uh, your, your other part of your brain, which is your thinking brain. This is what applies um, logic uh, to things. 
um, and reasoning and it decides what's fair and what's not fair and things and all the things that make you human. Um, so what happens uh, if we get too emotional? So if we're in conflict and we get really upset with someone, we get angry with them because we feel that, you know, our needs are not being met. Unfortunately, our thinking brain can then shut down um, and then we, we stop communicating um, and we stop uh, sort of thinking about in things logically sort of in terms of am I getting my needs met or why is this person uh, doing what they're doing and it's about sort of um, so how we resolve the conflict is first of all we need to calm down so taking deep breaths doing some relaxation if you need to walk away from that person and say I'll, I'll get back to you later um, and then just like once you've calmed down, stop and think, stop and reason with yourself and say, well, what is it that person is trying to achieve from their point of view? What needs and do they need to satisfy to complete their job? And, you know, is, is that why we're in conflict? It's not don't take it personally. It's not that they, they don't like you <laughs> or anything like that. It's because, you know, they're trying to achieve their goals. You're trying to achieve your goals from your job role. Um, and sometimes you will have a lot of overlap because, you know, like I said, um, and this is the same in, in the salon as well. Um, sometimes you will have um, clients booked in, say, back to back. And you may feel that the business hasn't taken your needs into account because they've not given you enough time with the clients uh, to turn clients around properly. Uh, I did see this quite a lot uh, in the, the spa where I worked. This became a bit of an issue um, because we it's kind of exactly the same as the office, to be honest. We as therapists, uh, our main focus and our main job role is to make sure that we're giving clients a really good quality service um but obviously the business it, it, it the business cares more about uh the profits and th that side of things because the people who are in charge of that that's their job role so it causes exactly the same conflict as it does in the office in the salon so again it's this you know the same um uh, treatment at the end of the day you need to um get yourself into a calm space Everyone, it'd be nice if everyone could maybe sit down with a cup of tea and say, okay, well, what does everyone need to get out of this conflict? What does everyone need to, uh, to have to resolve this conflict? What needs need to be met? from? And, and let's get everybody's uh, needs uh, met. Uh, and when we do that, then we can resolve the conflict in a nice, calm manner. And, uh, and we've still got all our relationships intact um it also helps to stop i think the them and us attitude that you sometimes get between departments i've seen this in offices and in the salon as well um so yeah i think anything that can help to get us out of that place um is a good thing that's very good i actually i had a few <laughs> questions but you pretty much answered them all there but i just want to kind of like i suppose reiterate that it's not about kind of someone being irrational for the sake of being irrational. It is purely the fact that they're protecting their territory yes. and their territory is their job role. So like you were saying, and 
it's the best example that I can see is you and Paddy. So one person needs it. They've got times, they've got uh, budget restraints, but then there's you where we need quality. So it's not people you're clashing with. It's actually the job role. And that's what you need to learn to take into account here. Yes. Yes, it is. It's it's all about the job role. It's not um, it's not a personal thing. Uh, but the other thing I, I did uh, forget to mention there was obviously the different styles as well. Uh, men and women have different approaches to this. Um, again, it comes from the caveman days. Um, men sort of, uh, if you think about it in, in, in that kind of respect from the caveman, uh, men will defend their territory. They've been given the gift, the natural gift of strength um and you know they're stronger so they will use a more aggressive outward approach whereas women uh, weren't given that gift we were given the gift of being able to uh do things like read body language and things like that uh, and to work more on our instincts because we don't have the same physical strength we're protectors um we're more maternal um so you have to acknowledge as well that you know if someone if there is a male being slightly aggressive, again, it's not, it's just the way, <laughs> just the way we're built. Or if you feel like a woman's getting, you know, over emotional or she's withdrawing or she's avoiding, these are all protection sort of uh, mechanisms. Um, and so you need to just be aware of that as well. Like I'm trying to tie it back into culture at the same time. Is this something that like these conflicts that shouldn't necessarily they're not between people. They're actually just between, you know, how things work within the company. Is it something that culture officer can facilitate? I think like the, it would be mainly communication because obviously if there's conflict and things, that's generally going to come down to the person who is involved in the conflict and probably their manager. Um, so it would like my boundary, I'd probably, there'd probably be certain boundaries that I wouldn't be crossing, mm -hmm. but all you can really do, I mean, that's, the, that knowledge that Elaine just gave us is absolutely invaluable. Like people would never really think in those terms, I don't think. So communicating that to the team would be fantastic because then at least people can see it from that different perspective and take a step back and say, no, hang on a second. Like the conflict is not actually personal. It's based on these more primitive needs. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's a really interesting way to kind of, um, navigate conflict in the workplace definitely see it does complement your culture in a way because i mean like how many times have you kind of been in i suppose a heated argument with a colleague but you would literally walk straight upstairs and have a chat with a coffee it's it's not them you're arguing with. that does kind of come mm. back down to mm -hmm. who you've hired if you hire based on culture and value fits and stuff like that and all your staff are people that gel together an argument is literally just of um getting something done it's, yeah. it's not of a personal clash and like you never see, see anyone walk out of a meeting room and just not talk to the person that was in there for the rest of the day no they go straight upstairs to chat away it's in the moment things and you know what sometimes you have to have those arguments to meet halfway like elaine was saying you can't have one person who's just completely on the other end of the seesaw you have to meet in the middle eventually yeah i think that's definitely true if you if you are um somebody who hires uh, with a strong focus on culture fit. But I don't know, like I'd say a lot of places ha like are at the stage where there's probably people there who really aren't a great culture fit and that can be difficult to yeah. navigate, I'd say, because there probably would be people who would walk away and they wouldn't want to talk to that person for a week. So yeah. there'd be a frosty atmosphere. We're, we're lucky we don't have that here. But yeah, I can see why like this, this would be really valuable to people to be like, well, look, this is why this is going on. But 
it's just a different mindset. Mm. It's a whole different mm-hmm. approach of looking at arguments. It makes so, it a lot clearer, like, yeah. Yeah, especially when you're work, you, you think you're arguing with a person, but you're not. You're literally just arguing at the department, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. yeah, you're arguing your case, I think, is more. Yeah, so I think it's maybe, you know, you sit down and you say, uh, well, did you know that as part of my job role, it's my need to, you know, my, like I just said, as a tester, my main need is to make sure the, the, the software is of great quality. Uh, and if you're done doing something that clashes with my need, uh, that's where we need to meet in the middle. So sometimes I think maybe, I don't know, maybe as a culture, maybe we should do like a sort of, uh, I don't know, presentation to say, you know, each department can say, what are our needs? And then everybody kind of knows and they might have a bit more of an understanding. So now all of a sudden this podcast is turning into self and forests. Yeah, <laughs> but that's, 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 that's a cool point. We should talk afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I suppose, again, just to reiterate, so in the salon, just always have the mindset of if you're clashing with someone, is it actually a personal clash or are you arguing because of conflict of roles? So yeah, no, that's just absolutely been brilliant from both Eva and Elaine. Um, what were the next steps if a salon owner was interested in kind of introducing a culture club or uh, sharing the culture officer responsibilities to the staff? Yeah, I'd say, um, I'd say whether that be the manager or the owner or somebody specific within the team who would be very much interested in this side of things, sit down, have a good think about what your salon's, um, I suppose, mission is, what you think your the personality and brand of your salon is and what your what values would align with that. So how you could create very specific cultural goals based on that Um yeah, I'd say that that would be the first thing I would do. Sit down, have a think about what your what your salon is looking to do and how a culture could help get you there. Like a really strong, defined culture. Cool. And Elaine, if if stuff does kind of like get heated, then what advice do you have for salon owners to kind of make sure that all of their staff are aware of it's a territory that they're protecting? Um, well, I think the first thing is always um, to make sure everybody calms down. Um, because if you're talking from your emotional brain, then uh, it means you're actually closed off, so you're not listening to what other people are saying. Um, you're just stuck in your emotional state. Uh, so the first thing is to, uh, I don't know, maybe do a group meditation or something, um, or you can just, you know, go back to what you're doing, take some deep breaths, have some time out, have a space um, where you can do that. Um, so first of all, everyone needs to calm down and switch on their thinking brain. This is where we can now start to add reason uh, and we can now stand back and go, okay, well, what does everyone need to resolve this conflict? What is, you know, go around the table and ask everyone, what what do you need as part of your job role that will help you solve this conflict? Um, And um, and one of the the other little um, sort of tricks that I've learned on my course, and, and I'm gonna, um, I might start introducing it more on Slack. I think is to um, apparently use I statements. So you say, you know, I'm very upset that such a thing hasn't been done, for example. But you don't say like, oh, you should do this or you should have done that. Just say, I'm upset that this hasn't happened, and leave it. And what you're doing there is you are giving the other person control of if they want to solve it or not. You're not trying to do it for them. Um, And it's up to them uh, to take control, take responsibility, 
and um, and if they need to take action, then it's up to them to do that. It's very interesting. I'm definitely going to use that one. <laughs> I, I use that one, yeah. I use that one as well, yeah. <laughs> and, and all three of us started that off with I. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Eva, Elaine, thanks a million for joining us on the show today. Uh, yeah, that's, that's been brilliant. And it was nice to kind of like Thank dig you. right into it and see why do we do this stuff? And I suppose, how can we nip it in the bud from the start? But how do we kind of, I suppose prevent it from happening in the future yeah and i'd say as well just as a final note like have fun with it like it's a, it's a great element to any business so have a bit of crack and good luck <laughs> <laughs> and for the second part of our show zoe it's over to you yeah so for the forest academy webinars we have coming up on march 12th the salon owner's introduction to gdpr so we've been running a few gdpr masterclasses uh, by with Connor Keppel, our head of marketing, and so he will be running a third one on March twelfth, ten a.m. to eleven a.m. So the same time as the other ones were on, and, and they're that... massive response at the moment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he ended up an extra what was it? An a uh, fifty-minute webinar turned into an hour and a half the other day. I think something like that. Yeah, no, def- it's it's definitely one to jump on. Um, there's there's always a Q and A session at the end, and he's happy to stay as long as you guys have questions. And if any of you guys tuning in today are in New York, we are at IBS New York. And if you uh, would like to come and chat with us to discover the features that Forrest has to offer, we're on stand. 2324 at International Beauty Show New York. So that's it for us today. If you have any feedback, as always, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or on Stitcher. We're always looking for suggestions on how to improve the show. Otherwise, we wish you a wonderful week. We'll catch you next Monday. All the best. Bye.